Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hello, America. Happy Wednesday. Wow, what a day it was for Republicans yesterday. And I don't mean that in a good sense. Almost everything that they had an advantage on in polling with the wind behind their backs, with American sentiment supporting on the border and on Israel and on fighting anti-Semitism, they blew it up through poor coordination, through poor reading of the American people and their wants and wishes and needs. There were three disasters that came in a 12-hour window. The first is Senate Republicans disowned their own border bill, the one that would have created a cap of 5,000 illegal aliens before an emergency was declared and people were denied entry to the country. It was negotiated by Senator Langford at the direction of the Senate leadership, including Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell first came out for it and then yesterday said, They were going to kill it in a vote today, basically putting an end to that bipartisan agreement. If that didn't muddle the waters for American people saying looking for leadership from the Republican Party on what is now the most severe border crisis in American history, the next few hours only contributed to it. Shortly before 7 p.m., the U.S. House of Representatives under Mike Johnson's leadership, the new speaker, they put the articles of impeachment against Alejandro Mayorkas to a vote. It lost by two votes. They miscalculated. They literally miscalculated the vote. And as a result, the impeachment articles were rejected in a stinging loss for Republicans and in a muddled message for the American people and in a win for Joe Biden, Alejandro Mayorkas, and the Democratic Open Borders Party. Now, that isn't a done deal because one of the yes votes switched to no so that you could use a parliamentary tactic to resubmit the vote in a week when more people might be available to vote, like House Majority Leader Steve Scalise, who wasn't there. But the idea that they miscounted votes is extraordinary and really par for the last 14 months of Republican leadership in the House, whether Kevin McCarthy, Mike Johnson, doesn't matter who the speaker is, there's a constant miscalculation, a constant bumping, a constant failure 
to show the sort of competent leadership that would give Americans confidence to say, we want to give Republicans control of the whole Senate and the whole House and get more done. Now, 14 months into the tenure, the Republicans in the House have failed to meet their two primary promises that they made the American voter in 2022. That is to cut the budget. They haven't yet. And as part of that, they promised to restore regular budget order. They haven't. And they were going to secure the border. And they haven't. And yesterday, the combination of flubs by Republicans in the Senate and the House only reinforced how far they are away from meeting the promise they made to the American people. Now, the third failure came shortly after the impeachment vote failure. House Republicans boasted that they were going to get a Israel-only aid bill through the House, and it failed as well. I'm not making it up. The old rule of politics in the House is don't bring a bill up unless you know the vote count. Well, in this case, they broke that rule. And as a result, they left last night with a lot of egg on their face. Now, I'm pretty sure they're going to resubmit the articles of impeachment against Mayorkas, but I don't think it's going to make much difference. I think the American people are going to remember the first failure more than anything else. And of course, there's no chance that the Democratic Senate will take up the impeachment anyways. All right. We've got a great show for you today, starting with the former Homeland Security Secretary, Tad Wolf. He is one of the most important voices on the border, and he's going to speak to us about what Republicans can do to reboot and to get some meaningful reform done that actually delivers on their promise. I would say it probably has three letters to it. H-R-2. That's right. The border bill that the House Republicans did pass earlier this year that does have all the best provisions in it, according to the experts. In the second part of the show, one of the surprises of this week was that while most Republicans, conservatives, and border hawks openly rejected the Senate compromise, the Lankford compromise, the National Border Patrol Council, the Union for Border Patrol Agents, which is a border hawk group. I mean, they're pro-Trump border policies and, and crying for and clamoring for help. They endorsed the Lankford bill. Art Del Cueto, the number two at the Union, is going to come on the show and explain why that is. They have a reason for it. It isn't because they thought it was the ideal solution, but I guess when you're under the duress and stress that the Border Patrol agents are uh, in trying to process these ten to 12,000 illegal aliens a day that Joe Biden has unleashed on America, 5,000 doesn't sound that bad. It feels like you've halved it. And I think Art Del Cueto will describe the dynamic there. And then in the third block, it is Wednesday, right? And you know what we do on Wednesdays? We have AMAC Wednesdays. Our good friends from the Association of Mature American Citizens, specifically their national spokesman, former clerk to the federal appeals court here in Washington, former chief investigator for one of the House Oversight Subcommittees, and of course, uh, former Assistant Secretary of State Bobby Charles. We're going to weigh in on all these issues and so much more, and that will take up the last block of the show. I'm really excited about that. Now, before we get to that, a quick commercial break, but I want to flag a couple of very important stories, starting with politics last night. Oh, what an embarrassment. What a humiliation. Nikki Haley ran unopposed in the Nevada GOP primary, meaning Donald Trump wasn't on the ballot. It's not the race that's going to determine the delegates. The race is actually going to be determined this Saturday by the caucuses, and Donald Trump is the sole candidate there. So it's already been predetermined that Donald Trump's going to win all of Nevada's Republican delegates. He'll be 3-0. and But Nikki Haley entered the GOP primary, knowing that she wouldn't get any delegates to maybe create the illusion of a win, but I'm not making this up. She lost 
Though there were no other candidates on the ballot, she lost to the option none of these candidates. She finished a distant second to none of these candidates, meaning Nevada Republicans rejected her resoundingly, and it was a humiliation for a campaign that's on life support already. How much on life support? Well, if you were watching the TV show last night, Just the News, No Noise, I'm Real America's Voice, you saw South Carolina GOP chairman Drew McKissick, he's also the co-chairman of the Republican National Committee, the National GOP. He said that he expects Trump to finish the South Carolina primary, his home state primary, Drew McKissick's and Nikki Haley's home state, 4-0, meaning that Nikki's gonna, Haley is going to lose again. And Drew McKissick made some very strong warnings to Nikki Haley that she's now in danger of alienating and needs to consider that she's alienating voters by staying in a race that she doesn't appear to have any path to winning. And I think that that's a big story. That story has done really well on Just the News last night. By the way, President Donald J. Trump, former president, he retruthed that story last night and put it out on his social media account. One last one that I think is so important. Uh, actually, I'm going to get two ones. Uh, first, I want to talk a little bit about anti-Semitism. We're doing a lot here to cover anti-Semitism day in and day out, particularly my good colleague, Madeline Hubbard, who does a lot of our security work here. She is as good a reporter as there are. Uh, there is. There are two things that we note. Overnight, a Palestinian migrant who arrived via Mexico under Joe Biden's open borders policy, he is charged with beating a homeowner after stealing that homeowner's U.S.-Israel flag. It's being treated apparently as a hate crime in New York. And the story is up on our website. Go check it out. Palestinian migrant arrived via Mexico, allegedly beat home order after stealing U.S.-Israel flag. Very important story. It's a further sign of how much the border and anti-Semitism in some ways are intertwined. And part of the process, we're bringing in a lot of American-hating, Israel-hating illegal immigrants. And, well, they're starting to act out, just like those migrants who beat the NYPD cops a couple of days ago. There is uh, another story on this front of anti-Semitism. One of the groups that I think is the best, one of the best watchdogs for anti-Semitism incidents in the world. It's called Combat Anti-Semitism Movement. And its research center identified in January alone 468 anti-Semitic incidents worldwide, an average of 15 a day, and that amounted to a 171% surge in anti-Semitism. And listen, I think you've heard all the yes on this show, the connection between DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, that liberal indoctrination, and anti-Semitism are very closely tied. And so, in, of course, some of these incidents occurring in the United States, like the one in New York, involve illegal immigrants. So there's even a connection to the other one of the many other crises that the Biden years have brought upon America. Also today, my good colleague Stephen Richards broke a really good story. This is not a person that a lot of people have ever heard of, but it is someone that is important to the impeachment inquiry. This person was the bankruptcy representative for AmeriCorps, one of those. It was a failing and now failed healthcare company in America that hired James Biden, the president's brother. And she testified before the House Oversight Committee uh, in the last week. Her name is Carol Fox. And she testified that she could not determine what work, if any, that James Biden did when he got paid by the company, nor could she find any paperwork to substantiate a series of loans. I think they've been reported as high as $600,000 that AmeriCorps, while failing, provided James Biden's company in 2018. His company was called Lion Hall. She was asked point blank, Ms. Fox was, what was James Biden's role at America? I don't think we know. How about that? The bankruptcy can't find a record of what he really did. 
She was also asked, were you able to identify any services that he provided to America or James Biden? He said, well, that's why we sued him. He didn't. I do not think that he had provided services to the debtors. And then there's no documentation of these alleged consulting marketing agreement or for the loans. Again, creating a further proof for the Republicans that this may have been a no-show job to ingratiate goodwill with the Biden family. We'll see how that turns out. But when the bankruptcy representative outs it, you know that it's pretty serious stuff. That's also on the site today. Headline is impeachment witness says no record of work or loan to James Biden before he made a payment from the proceeds he got from America to Joe Biden. All right, that is the best of the headlines today. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Before we do, quick reminder, if you want to join AMAC, this is a special month. All throughout the month of February, you're going to get a five-year membership. That's the same membership I took out for $35. That is a steal of a price, and uh, it will pay for itself time and again just with the discounts you get. to Take advantage of that offer, which is unique to Just the News. On this February, President's Month, just go to AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. You'll get that $35 five-year membership discount. All right, when we come back for the break, Chad Wolf, the former Acting Homeland Security Secretary, will bring us through all of the crises and machinations of the border crisis right after these messages. Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis, those with a giving spirit and a desire to build up civil society find ways to be helpful. And that's when it's good to have a charitable resource ready to deploy when they're needed most. Donors Trust offers donor-advised funds or giving accounts. You can use these funds as your own charitable investment account and manage your charitable giving in a way that's smart, tax-advantaged, aligned with your values, and private. Donors Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account to simultaneously support think tanks and liberty-minded organizations that believe our constitutional rights shouldn't get lost in a time of emergency. Now is the time to take a closer look at Donors Trust and join their community of liberty-minded donors by opening a donor-advised fund. Go to DonorsTrust.org slash JustNews for the ultimate survival guide to charitable giving and learn how a donor advised fund can preserve your ability to give to the charities you love. That's DonorsTrust.org slash Just News. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Welcome back, everybody. I want to pick up right where we left off as it regards the impeachment of Homeland Secretary. 
Alejandro Mayorkas around this border conversation and as Joe Biden refuses to take action, claiming that the newly introduced Senate bill will fix the entire southern border crisis. He didn't forget to criticize his likely 2024 challenger, nor did he go too far into the weeds on the historic Mayorkas impeachment. So joining us to dive further into the problems at hand is the former acting secretary of Homeland Security Department, who now serves as an executive of the America First Policy Institute. Chad Wolf joins us now. Mr. Secretary, thank you so much for being with us on this historic day. Well, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Sir, I want to start with the Senate bill. Um, I guess a, a little bit of a timeline when they released the text of this online. I don't know if they expected people to actually read it and they thought maybe they could gloss over it and kind of shove it down the throats of the American people or at least down the throats of members of the Senate. They call it a border deal, although I would proffer the notion that with three times the funding for Ukraine, it's hardly a border deal. Uh, but the Border Patrol Union, uh, at least the national, supports it. Is there, can you find any redeeming qualities of this bill that would give them cause to support this other than additional agents at the border? Yeah, I mean, again, you'll have to probably ask the, the union exactly why they're supporting this. My guess is because there's more agents, there's more funding for, for Border Patrol, which is good and I support that. But I think if you look at the bill as a whole, there's a number of concerning uh, features of the bill that at the end of the day, you have to say, I can't support this. This is not what the American people need. And so there are some, you know, there's some bright spots from here and there in it, right? When you talk about raising the credible fear standard for asylum and doing a couple of things here and there. But overall, I have, as, as you indicated, it, it dropped on Sunday night and started going through this. And the more I went through it, the more concerns and red flags started to uh, to raise its head. And so... It's an extremely complex bill. It's over 270 pages of just the border text alone. It creates multiple new provisions of the Immigration and Naturalization Act. Um, and so these are things that you would have to read for the next three or four weeks, the next month, to really understand how they work with other programs, how it's all going to be sequenced and, and what's the effect of it. You can't vote on this in a matter of days and think that you have any understanding of what's going on um, you know, it allocates $1.4 billion, and that's with a B, for NGOs who we know, um, you know, used to transport these migrants, shelter the migrants. They end up suing the federal government in many cases using taxpayer dollars. And so it's provisions like this, and there are others that, as you go through the bill, you don't quite understand what, they, what they're doing here. But I think the conclusion is pretty clear that this is not a bill for the American people. Um, and that's why I'm uh, not in support of it. Yeah. I want to ask about the dynamic, because all the polling showed that the Republicans had the wind at their back, that the American people were going to support a dramatic stop uh, to this incredible crisis. And yet when the Republicans in the Senate got their hands on, at least the ones that were negotiating it, uh, they seemed to settle somewhere much closer to where the left is in the, 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 the center of America. What are the forces that cause Senate, cause Senate Republicans to kind of lean in this direction? You said there are some redeeming qualities, but, you know, 5,000 illegal migrants a day is just yeah. not a victory for most Americans. No, it's not, a, it's not a victory. It's not a victory at all, actually. You know, what they should have done is use H.R. 2, which was passed yeah. by the House over seven months ago as a base bill for negotiations. And I think that that was a tactical error made by... Uh, the Republicans working on this. They should have used that as the base bill instead. Uh, the Democrats said, well, that's a non-starter. Well, why is it a non-starter? Because it, all the programs in there actually work. Uh, they actually secure the border. 
Um, and so that's why a number of us were very supportive of that bill. But you would take that as the base bill and then you can negotiate from it. They didn't do that. They started to make up this bill from whole cloth, yeah. from ground zero almost. And when you do that, you don't have any built-in constituencies and then a lot of problems start to rise. And John, I'll give you another example. The bill says that if any provisions of the bill get litigated in court, you have to, you have to go to the DC circuit. Uh, so you have to bypass all other jurisdictions, the Fifth Circuit, which is in Texas. So if an illegal alien crosses in Texas and the suit is filed in Texas, it says, nope, you won't go to the Fifth Circuit. You'll instead go to D.C. Well, why is that? Well, the D.C. Circuit is one of the more liberal circuits in the country. So when you start to add all these things up, you start to understand this is stacked against the American people. This is not a true bill that would actually solve this crisis uh, instead, it's a little bit of a wish list of, of what the left wants to see. Yeah. Right. Yeah, sending it to that court seems like there's a pretty safe outcome. I wanted to ask you, though, about this this interesting dynamic um, with Senator James Lankford. He put the text out there. He was the one who was charged with yeah. negotiating this across the aisle. And it seems like Republican after Republican after Republican is falling away from having his back. Um, even Mitch McConnell is, if I can use a pop reference, pulling a mean girls move and acting like, this. you know, I'm not really even a part of this. Do you think that that is a result of of voter pushback, of pushback on social media? Why? Why? Or, or maybe it was like that from the beginning. He just decided to push uh, Senator Langford out there to, to take the fall. Well, it's a good question. I think Senator McConnell can only, you know, answer that question. Look, I've I've known Senator Langford for a number of years, certainly during my time at DHS. He has always been helpful to the department, has always understood the department's mission, exactly what went down in this negotiations. Obviously, I'm not a part of that. And so I don't know what happened and how the bill got to where it's at today, who was advising, things of that nature. I think those are all good questions to ask. Um, but I think what became clear over time is as these provisions started to leak out and then once the bill text drop, it's not a matter of pushback on social media. It's not a, push, you know, a matter of pushback in different elements. It's just people began to read the bill and they started to understand what it meant and what it didn't mean. And, you know, you talked about that 5,000 uh, person trigger that somehow triggers new border authority. Well, that sunsets after three years. Why is that? Do they know something that, that the rest of the American people don't know, which is, you know, there's not going to be a crisis in three years? Of course there might be, right? You just don't know. But why would you sunset that provision but not sunset any other provision in the bill? Uh, it seemed like time and time again, things that Republicans and conservatives really care about were, were either manipulated or somehow sunset after a certain period of time. And I just don't think that that's a good way to negotiate. How it eventually ended up that way, I don't know. But I think that's what caused a lot of the opposition. Yeah. Mr. Secretary, you do so much problem solving at America First. And I want to take a look at the moment where the sound of retreat was made this morning in the Senate. House Republicans have their H.R. 2 on there. Where do conservatives pick up the pieces and how can they move forward and try to make a success for the American people before the 2024 election? Well, look, if I'm a if I'm a Republican in the Senate, I start picking up H.R. 2 and I start putting all sorts of procedural roadblocks in place of Senator Schumer and others to say, look, if you're serious about wanting to, to secure the border, uh, HR2 was passed in the, in, the, in the House seven months ago. It's time for us to bring it to the floor and debate it. You know, you may offer amendments and provisions that strip some of it and add to it, but this is, this is part of what democracy is all about. So let's do that. But 
Again, Senator Schumer hasn't even brought it up for debate, won't even look at it, but, um, and that, that should be the base bill. I think if I'm in the Senate, that's the next step, and that's where I go. In the House, obviously, they're, they're holding Secretary Mayorkas accountable through impeachment proceedings, uh, likely to have a vote on that today. And so they're, they're going a different route because they've already passed HR2. Yeah. That's it. Mr. Secretary, I wanted to ask you about a provision in the Senate bill. Yesterday on the show, we had New York Congresswoman Claudia Tenney on the show, and she uh, raised the alarm on an issue that that employers would have with respect to employing or possibly hiring illegal immigrants and the issue of background checks and a possible criminal history. And now we are learning that New York is possibly planning on using illegal immigrants to fill some of these temporary government jobs. Now, obviously, especially with respect to Washington, D.C., there are a lot of government jobs that people would say uh, shouldn't exist. They are paper pushers, data analyzers and processors and things like that. But but there are some government jobs where this, I think, could create a problem, right? Well, I think so. I think obviously there's some sensitivities uh, to whether it's state government or federal government jobs and the access of information, the access to personal information. Um, so for instance, if you're, if you're at the DMV, obviously you could have access to a lot of personnel information from from those licenses and those applications. But I think the larger issue here at play is work authorization, right? So as these illegal migrants come into the country and get released into the interior and they go to places like New York and Chicago and basically any other city in the country, they get the, the end goal here is to stay in the country and get work authorization. And immigration law has been very clear on this for decades and decades and decades, which is you don't tie the illegal act of coming into the country with work authorization. And you don't do that for a very simple reason, because you're going to encourage more and more and more of that illegal behavior if an individual knows as soon as they come and get in that they get to work. So historically, that's been a six-month lag that if you come here and the idea is we try to get you through your asylum system and and through your immigration court proceedings quickly, Uh, but there is a six-month lag. This bill, there's a provision in this bill that says as soon as you come and get released, you get work authorization. Um, And so that's just going to incentivize and drive more and more individuals to come here to take jobs from U.S. citizens, perhaps. Mm. And so that was another concerning part of the bill. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. Out there, Quato, the number two at the Border Patrol Agents Union. Got to explain why the union got behind the Langford bill. No, it's not perfect, but if you're a Border Patrol agent, Art Dequeda will say why this was better than no action at all. He'll have that after these messages. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bike, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe 
from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.US slash Just News. That's AMAC.US forward slash Just News. His men and women, uh, the Border Patrol agents, are on the front lines of this crisis. Joining us right now, Art Del Credo from the Border Patrol Union. He's the vice president of the National Border Patrol Council. Art, great to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. It is an honor to have you on. We want to get your reaction and the union's reaction to this. I know uh, there's a lot of concern and a lot of anger and a lot of cross-fighting in Washington today. What do the men and women of the Border Patrol think of this uh, bill? So I can tell you right off the bat, my phone has been blown up uh, from people asking about it. And, you know, once the statement was sent out by the National Border Patrol Council, people have asked, you know, well, what, what's going on? You know, you guys are supporting it. Uh, I had a couple guys that said, uh, not with an agent, but reporters that called and said, oh, we don't like this bill. And I've asked, well, what is it you don't like? And it was it was silence. Uh, the reality is, you know, we support this bill because, it, it, like I said, it, it brings some kind of normalcy to the, the mess that was created under this administration. Is it a perfect bill? No, I, I don't think we're going to get the perfect bill. And honestly, I think that those that are going to be more upset with it at the end of the day are, you know, the, the far left. Because uh, what this bill essentially does is, yeah, you get a lot of talk on the 5,000 cap, okay? But what that is is, right now, there is no cap. So everyone that comes across that for time gets released. Under this bill, everyone's going to get detained. They're not just going to be releasing. Why is it 5,000? Because they're saying, you know, they're going to hold up to 5,000 that they're going to go through the process, but the process are more strict than they are now. So now the asylum officer will make the determination on the asylum. And if they don't have a good asylum claim, they're going to get, you know, sent back immediately without ever getting released. And as opposed to now, everyone's getting released. And, uh, you know, they're not showing up for court or, you know, their court date is 10 years down the road. Just eliminate that. Um, it's like I said, it's not perfect. Uh, I wish everyone was getting detained. Obviously, the family units are still going to have to go through, you know, other processes. But over 60% of what is being apprehended is single male military age. So this yeah. stops individuals from being released. 
Art, I wanted to ask you with respect to these numbers, because, you know, I, I, I personally and I think you do, too, think that 5000 a day is too much. Um, one point eight million is what that practically equates to every year. And that is way too much. But regardless of how you feel about that particular number with respect to enforcing that uh, going through the amnesty or the asylum issues that you spoke about, is the infrastructure even in place to actually enforce what's in this bill yet? So they have the, they, they do have the uh, asylum officers, and those are the ones that would be making that determination who is a claimant and who isn't a claimant. But people need to understand, it isn't releasing 5,000 people a day. It's actually those first 5,000, you have to go through this new process, and during this new process, you don't get released. After 5,000, anyone who gets apprehended is going to get deported. But what this more importantly is doing is this is stopping the cartels from flooding one area, you know, with five, six, seven, up to 10,000 uh, people in, in groups in one spot. And now agents are having to do all the processing and at the same time release those individuals. And now it, it takes away from them working other areas. This 5,000 number is just a number of what is going to be looked at but under the new laws of asylum, which they do not get released. Yeah. Uh, all right. I want to ask a little bit about uh, the posture back in 19 and 20, because using existing law, the Border Patrol and the CPB and President Trump worked together. And there was a way to keep these numbers way below 5000 on every day. Uh, has Joe Biden, by running up the totals to 10, 12000 a day, created a scenario where 5000 suddenly looks better than it did before? Is that sort of the cumulative effect of maybe the Biden years? Well, no, make no mistake about it. The, the, the Biden administration has pretty much ruined our, our, our southern border and, and our northern border at the same time because you're seeing numbers yeah. uh, come from over the place. Uh, but I think, you know, when you're looking at something like this, uh, this bill, uh, this is going to give the oncoming administration uh, something good to work with. Uh, and then they can, you know, feed off of this and continue to grow it and, and make our, our southern border even more uh, defensible. Uh, but right now, it's it's so unsustainable. Uh, another year of this is, is, is horrible. We can't, we can't have four more years of this administration uh, is what it comes down to. And uh, honestly, uh, those, like I said, the ones that would probably be upset is uh, the, the far left because they, they, they're not getting anything out of this bill. And again, that number 5,000 that keeps on getting thrown, those are not 5,000 that are going to get released. Those are, you know, the cap of the first 5,000 that are going to go under this new asylum uh, uh, policies and hence not. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, last week on the show, I had on a gentleman who founded um, Patriots for America. It's a, a Texas militia type group, and they, they fully vet all of the people within their organization. But they uh, I think because they love Texas, they they have tried to kind of support Border Patrol and provide a secondary or supplemental uh, body of people. Have you ever come across any of these groups? Do they help you guys? Do they hurt you guys? Does it feel like it's just confusing, not knowing who is who? So many of those militias, I don't know if you were, a lot of them started in Arizona. And, you know, there's some of them still operate in the areas of Arizona. They're helpful to a point that they're extra eyes and they'll call it to the right. Uh, but again, you know, it's, the, the mixture in, in uniform, that could cause a lot of problems towards the individuals that are being detained. Uh, at the same time, you know, the, the border patrol themselves, they have cameras, they have sensors, they have other things out there that are not going to be released to the public. And uh, 
uh, at times don't, they're stripping some of those cameras or some of those sensors, and now it adds more work for the agents having to respond to an area, and, and then they run into these individuals, and it's not, you know, the traffic that, that they believe it was. Yeah, interesting. All right, I want to talk about two provisions in the bill that I think people are still a little bit worried about. One is a lot of money to the NGOs so that they can keep putting people into the interior of the country, those who make it through the screening process. And then two, there is a, a claim that there's $650 million for uh, uh, building uh, more of the border wall, but it looks like it's mathematical gymnastics. It doesn't look like there's actually going to be more of the border wall built. Could you talk about those two things? Because I know they're important to the CPB. So I know that, and, and, and a lot of it is, like I said, look, the bill isn't perfect. There's issues still there. Right. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's something that really is going to help, and it's going to prevent, it's going to help us secure our nation's borders. Uh, and I believe, look, once the incentive is gone, that if you come across, all you have to do is claim asylum, and you're going to get released, that alone will, will lower the number. Look, remember, when President Trump took over office, rhetoric alone dropped the numbers. There was no change in law overnight. Right. His rhetoric is what dropped him. And he said, look, you're going to have to prove your claim. And that's why the numbers were dropped. Now, under the Biden administration, the very first day in office, because he said, come one, come all, his rhetoric dropped the numbers to astronomical proportions. And we're still seeing those numbers. Something like this is not just rhetoric. It's actually put into bill. And, and just when you start seeing that by law, you come across, you get detained, you're not getting released. That's going to lower the number itself, and that'll lower the amount that the NGOs are having to push us through different parts of the country. All right, folks, one more good one to go. Yep, Bobby Charles on AMAC Wednesday will join us right after the break. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down, my blood sugar is down, my weight's down, my health is up, my sleeping patterns are better, my metabolism is up. If you wanna experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. 
You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. It is Wednesday, so you know what that means. It means it's AMAC Wednesday, a chance to talk to our great friends, the Association of Mature American Citizens. We have such a great partnership with them, and it brings us all sorts of benefits. The biggest benefit you can get is by joining and becoming a member like I am. I'm a five-year member. Match me on my five-year membership by going to amac.us slash justnews. You'll get a discount this month, $35 for the five-year membership. That is unprecedented. It is the best bargain you're ever going to get, and it will pay for itself in a few days just with the discounts you get. Now, the other good reason to join AMAC is the extraordinary liberty-loving analysis, news, opportunities to engage that you get every time. And we do that every week on this show at this time with our good friend, Bobby Charles, the national spokesman for AMAC, and of course, one of Washington's wisest folks. Bobby, good to have you back on the show. Thank you, John. And, and you know, I'll just note that if AMAC's membership was worth every penny a year ago, it's worth three times that now. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, no, it's so true. It's true. And all, just all the things that AMAC is doing every day, the engagement opportunities, the election integrity, the boot camp for boomers. Wow, the impact across this great country is enormous and growing every day. I want to start in an area, I mean, you have this extraordinary career. You were a clerk on a federal appeals court. You were one of the chief investigators on the House Oversight Committee. Chris eventually became Assistant Secretary of State. I look at this moment where the prosecutions of J6 defendants keep going on, and now we're getting to people who didn't even enter the building just because they were in the vicinity. They're starting to get indicted. When you look back at this, how might the courts long-term look at this, and what is the the up and downside for the American public? You know, uh, it's such a good sort of, I, don't, I hate the word teaching moment, but it is, you know, we, we have to maintain faith in the judiciary and in our constitution. And this is both a jarring example of what can happen during that period of high tension, maintaining uh, faith. And at the same time, how things can slide sideways. And some of the investigators on the Hill, I was talking with one yesterday have really begun to turn up rocks that are showing things that are very ugly, that we wish we would not find in our democracy. So, you know, the problem with all this is that all of those that are considered, quote unquote, using air quotes here, defendants in some kind of a uh, of, of an affiliation with or association with uh, those that, you know, clearly broke the laws going in and breaking things and, and you know, trying to violate the public trust in that moment, although, you know, there's lots of con- contradictory information on it all. But the gist is you've got a bunch of these hundreds of these of these defendants. And then you've got a, pre- a former president of the United States who is essentially being 
uh, slimed by every every new conversation around the words January sixth. They, and I have no doubt that in some, uh, you know, if you put uh, if you put uh, you know monitors on people, their blood pressure would jump when you mentioned January sixth. So the irony. You know, the irony in all this is that what we're now learning and what I'm I'm listening to, uh, not only uh, Congressman Loudermilk and some of the others who are who are who are very, very cautious people and they're going in and they're digging. What we're finding is really stunning stuff. I, I ran oversight investigations for five years. I, I, I was I was the, the staff director and the chief counsel and I ran uh, them for defense, state, justice, and NASA. And I went deep, deep, deep. Never did I find the kind of obfuscation and really potential illegality that ha- attaches to both the members of Congress who are involved in doing this January 6th committee investigation and the White House. So let me give you a couple of examples. They, they, uh, they have submitted subpoenas to those parts of the federal government that apparently the Democrats handed off uh, uh, transcripts of depositions and handed off transcripts of interviews to uh, dozens and dozens, perhaps hundreds. Um, and they, they handed them, it's just unthinkable what happened. The gavel was being handed to the Republicans in two days before that, the Democrat leadership of that committee took all these files that the Republicans would have had access to that included exculpatory information and they, and they literally gave them to the White House to hide them and a White House of a different of the same party. So now come the Republicans submitted subpoenas. Um, the, by ways of example, the, I mean this should have been added to the impeachment uh, for a Mayorkas. Uh, you know, it, subpoenas have been submitted repeatedly to the Department of Homeland Security, and they're not even they're not even responding to the subpoenas. Um, and then they were submitted to the White House, and eventually. Eventually, John, the White House handed back transcripts and the uh, but they were all redacted, which they had no right to redact from a separation of powers point of view. These are documents that belong to the United States Congress, no matter the political parties involved. They 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 belong to the Congress. They don't belong to the White House. And then they the Democrats in in the House and the White House provided uh, more than 100 uh, uh, computer files back to them that apparently likely contain exculpatory evidence that could be helpful in the trials. So it, so it seems have been trials of some of these people. And, and then the Democrats declined to give the encryption keys. They're all encrypted. The files are all encrypted and the Democrats won't give them the encryption keys. Now, listen, never, never in an environment like this, when I was litigating, when I was looking at cases at, uh, on a U.S. Court of Appeals or, 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 or doing investigations for five years as a counsel on the Hill, did I ever encounter a situation where the opposing party said, we know that there's potentially exculpatory information in there and we're not giving you the encryption keys? I mean, that's that's downright illegal. And so I look at what this administration is doing in terms of hiding that information, a shell game, and what the Democrats on the Hill and, and frankly, some of the complicit Republicans, I mean, the Liz Cheney's of the world, they knew very well that what they were doing was creating a false narrative. And they omitted key pieces of information. You know, you write the sentence, uh, this did not happen, and you omit the word not, and the sentence changes. And that's exactly what they did here. So I think there's far more to this story, John, and it, it's a true violation of the oath of office that these people took, both in the administration and for Congress. And it's it's really an abdication of their responsibility if we believe that uh, rule of law is supposed to apply in this country. And that's really it. It is about the rule of law at this point. And I feel so many people are beginning to lose trust in 
the rule of law. And I think in the larger sense, they're also losing trust in the sense that there can be accountability for people who act bad in this town. I think we, we went through Russia collusion. We exposed the wrongdoing, but almost no one paid a dear price. None of the 51 people that signed a false letter intervening in the 2020 election by declaring the Hunter Biden laptop falsely to be Russian disinformation. They haven't paid a price. And now we look at uh, yesterday, the failure to endorse or pass impeachment articles against Mayorkas. There doesn't appear to be accountability for what's happened at the border. The cycle of escaping accountability for true scandals, true failures in Washington. What does it do to the American people's trust in their government? You know, John, this is in some ways the seminal question of our time. Um, and, and you're absolutely right, you know, because in the Soviet Union, they have, believe it or not, in the former Soviet Union and in the current China, they have laws that look very similar to the laws that are on our books. They just don't enforce them. And and so there's no accountability. And so if, if what's happening is we're drifting into a world in which the laws on the books and that's what the Mayorkas impeachment was about. There were seven legal violations, seven very specific provisions of law that required him to detain people. And he didn't detain them. He violated all of them. And then, of course, the second big count was that he lied to the United States Congress. And and I read it several times, went back to the case law and looked at what is there. And, uh, you know, there, there's a pretty strong argument that this is a guy, even though we don't typically indict uh, or, or impeach um, you know, he may later be indicted, but we don't impeach um, uh, sitting cabinet members for policy choices. These were legal questions. And you go to a really a fundamental point, and that is that long before 2020, um, and actually prior to even 2016, we saw the, the beginning of the disintegration of rule of law, which has now just accelerated. You had all of Hillary Clinton's servers and the, the collection of foreign money when she was a secretary of state and no one paid any attention. You had the, the FISA piece, you had the Russia collusion piece, which, you know, turns out to have been a great big narrative in which both Obama and Biden and, and uh, Hillary Clinton and, and, and three quarters of their, you know, inner circle were all aware that it was false. It was all an intent. It was an intentional abdication of, uh, uh, well, it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, it was a corruption of the electoral process. You know, and then you have, you know, you have a, a current Biden administration that has that has uh, undermined the Dobbs case, which has already saved millions of babies lives. But never mind that it, it returned the authority for abortion to the state level since there is no right in the Constitution. Never was a right in the Constitution to abortion. There's no federal uh, right there. And yet um, you not only had Supreme Court justices at risk as in the run up to that decision, but you also had uh, you also had one and you had one almost killed uh, because of their abdication of responsibility in terms of protecting because politically they didn't like what they thought was coming. And then after Dobbs, you have these peaceful anti-abortion protesters who get arrested. You have these uh, pregnancy centers where people are are you know, it, there's no action taken when those are attacked by people. So and then you have the Second Amendment cases. You have three governors, uh, what, New York, Maryland and I think uh, New Mexico, who have basically said, we don't care what the Supreme Court says about the Second Amendment. We're going to take your guns anyway. You have a separation of powers argument when it comes to a president of the United States who is told by the Supreme Court, you cannot forgive. Uh, you cannot take, you know, half a trillion dollars out of the budget, out of the out of the Treasury and forgive these uh, loans that people have a legal obligation to pay back. 
And he not only ignores that and, 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 and forgives them anyway, but then starts to boast about the fact that he's paying no attention to the Supreme Court. You have all these Biden scandals in which, you know, upwards of potentially $100 million, but even if it's just $1, uh, but it's not $1, it's tens of millions of dollars have been taken by this Biden family and using, you know, the sun as a cutout. They have they have squirreled away monies that not only are coming from illegal sources, but they're coming from our adversaries. So as we've talked about, you know, before, you, you certainly have arguments for, for federal bribery charges. You have uh, arguments for federal uh, Foreign Corrupt Practices Act and for RICO violations. And there's no action taken whatsoever by this attorney general against against this president for that. You have a disparate uh, application of the law when it comes to I think we're just about to find out a disparate application when it comes to classified documents. Somehow a sitting president who has far more of them and spread out in far more places and, and has given access or potential access to uh, our foreign adversaries uh, to those classified documents doesn't get any charges pressed against him. And at the same time, a current, you know, a former president who who, had, who gave full access to those documents, but nevertheless had probably his Fourth Amendment rights trampled uh, as they were seized back, uh, uh, gets to get the charges uh, brought against him. You have all of this. Um, I mean, never mind the fact that we've really given up on law enforcement, which is another piece of rule of law. You're letting felons out of prison. You're legalizing drugs, defunding the police, ending bail. Uh, and, and yeah, and now we've got the January 6th stuff. So what it really boils down to, John, is that the American people are facing a vote this year on whether they do or don't really believe in the concept of rule of law. I don't care whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. If you truly believe that the Constitution matters and you believe that we have three branches and separation of powers and that each of those is to do their job to balance the other, you can't possibly vote for this Biden administration. They have violated and vitiated all of those duties. And I, I, it just, it's startling to me. I've never in my adult life seen an administration do this kind of thing. And as you point out, they're getting away with it. It really is pretty remarkable. And I think at the end of the day, the ability to achieve accountability in Washington is one of the key issues on the ballot this next time. I, a lot of times we think about issues like the economy, the border, and those are all going to be big ones. But I do think that there's a growing number of people that feel like if we don't rein in government soon, it's going to take us over in ways that we would never have imagined and our founding fathers wouldn't have either. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. More of our exclusive interview with Bobby Charles right after these messages. Hey, folks, can your IRA or 401k stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is right at our doorstep? By allocating a percentage of your retirement into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from a turbulent market and economic downturns. All you got to do is put your IRA back on the gold standard. With a multi-trillion dollar trade deficit and ongoing geopolitical instability, experts say now is the time to make the switch. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Protect your retirement today with one simple phone call and receive your free gold and silver guide from my good friends at Genesis Gold. To do that, call Genesis Gold Group today at 800 200 G-O-L-D, gold. That's 800-200-GOLD. And find out how you can add precious metals to your IRA. One more time, let me give you the number. It's 800-200-4653. gold Or visit them at genesisgoldgroup.com. Genesis Gold, welcome to the John Solomon Just the News family. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? or the friends you find along the way. 
Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. All right, folks, welcome back. More of our exclusive interview with Bobby Charles. There's a lot else going on right now in Washington right now. And I wanted to zero in on something that I think is becoming more interesting. You look now to the courts and all of the issues. A large part of what's going to happen to Donald Trump before the election is in the hands of the Supreme Court. How do you referee what's about to happen there? Yeah, so that's a very important and, and boy, you know, I mean, we we don't we don't orchestrate this ahead of time, but what a good segue, really, because rule of law and the abdication of responsibility as a, or worse than that, the abuse of power on the part of this White House uh, and this Justice Department could not be put under a greater magnifying glass than the idea that you are bringing charges uh, both at the state and federal level, uh, which are clearly politically motivated against your your leading opponent who who seems to be beating you in the polls. So it, it, that's like the starkest example that our founding fathers couldn't possibly have imagined that ever happening. And indeed, they would be rolling probably are in their graves right now because it's just an unthinkable turn of events in this republic. Having said that, you're right. It will all you know, everything rises to the top uh, in this environment. So the state level cases and the federal cases almost certainly and are already beginning uh, to show up at the Supreme Court, and they will have to be adjudicated. And so in terms of refereeing it, I think, you know, we have, I, I don't count on Roberts. Uh, I, 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 you know, this is a guy that thinks there's no such thing as partisanship on the bench. And I think we know that's obviously not true. There, there's a lot of partisanship on the bench, uh, particularly by the activists. Um, and so what I see happening is that these cases will um, be clearly adjudicated. I would love to be a fly on the wall in the room because I'm sure that, you know, the latest justice who can't tell us what a woman is and, 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 and some of her colleagues are going to be in a scream and shout shrill kind of environment relative to, uh, you know, the case law that, that, that clearly favors Trump on a lot of these cases. So I, I think what will happen is the First Amendment and the Fourth Amendment and the immunity question and uh, questions of, of um, particularly the 14th Amendment, uh, Section 3 question will probably, the, the legal questions will be discussed and will be adjudicated fairly quickly. And I think that one, I think, I think they will not allow states to either one individual from a state as in Maine or, or a partisan bench as in Colorado to knock uh, a candidate off the ballot uh, unilaterally by, by sort of subjectively uh, defining for themselves the word uh, insurrection. I also don't think they're going to define the word insurrection. I think they're going to say that that had a, a time and a place and a manner uh, that was that was expected to be enforced when it was enforced, and that um, you know that that it's premature to to try to to try to knock someone off the ballot. If they did knock them off the ballot and keep them off the ballot, I think you could see as many as 25, 26 states go the other direction and decide on their own discretion that there are enough allegations against Joe Biden that they're going to knock him off the ballot, or maybe for dementia, they're going to knock him off the ballot or for some other reason. And, and, and of course, that would also be unfair and it would be unconstitutional. And I think that the difficulty here is that you could end up in an evolution if the Supreme Court doesn't rule that you can't knock, a state cannot knock someone off 
for a reason other than lack of number of signatures on a petition, uh, Maine knocked, you know, Christie off for lack of number of, of uh, you know, citation or uh, signatures on a petition. That's completely appropriate. But but to knock them off for a discretionary reason, uh, like, you know, your own self-definition of insurrection, <laughs> incidentally, in Maine, a decision reached by a woman who isn't even a lawyer, um, it, you know, it, it's completely inappropriate. And, and so what I think would happen, unfortunately, is you'd see half the country voting on ballots that had Biden on them and the other half not. And the same thing with Trump. And that would be a terrible thing because it would be sort of an unarmed civil war and it would be a perversion of our electoral process. It's certainly not what the founders had in mind, nor what the framers of the 14th Amendment, Section 3, had in mind. So uh, you can go back and just read the history. It's very clear. And the Supreme Court might do that. John, at the end of the day, the Supreme Court is in a tough spot because they they try very hard. Cases like Baker v. Carr say, don't get involved in politics. In 2000, they had to get involved. In, in 2020, they tried hard to stay not involved, but still got a little involved. Now it's right front and center. I mean, this is a steaming mess on their, every one of their desks. And they're going to have to say the democracy works. Democracy only works when people are allowed to be on the ballot. And uh, you can't just throw people under the bus because you don't like them, whether you're doing that by abuse of the judicial process, whether you're doing that by abuse of your discretion on the bench, or whether you're doing that as a secretary of state or as a state level court. You're not allowed to upend the democracy single-handedly. And so ultimately, I think they have to allow this to be as free and fair and open an election as they can. But goodness knows we were in for uh, not only weeks, but months, I think, of, of rough, rough water, a lot of turbulence. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Just got a couple minutes left. What else is on your radar, Bobby? You're always one of the most perceptive people I get the chance to talk to. There's so many different moving parts in Washington and across the country, an election going on. What else is top of your radar? You know, um, I'm going to blend here, if I may, um, a substantive issue with uh, the work of AMAC, because AMAC, as people may or may not know, works aggressively at the state legislative level to try to turn back, you know, turn back bad things from ranked choice voting to, you know, uh, really misunderstandings of the law to late term abortion, all those things. And they, they do it very conscientiously and very thoughtfully. Um, and at the same time, they often are very effective in turning, turning things off that people never later hear about. Um, maybe, you know, it's kind of, kind of the bell that doesn't ring is the one that you really want to listen for. Um, and, and they just did something, and, and it wasn't just them. It was a lot of conservatives who really, really stood up for the rights of, of, of children. You know, one of the biggest things that's afoot here, John, in this election cycle is parents' rights are being taken away from them methodically by the teachers' unions, by the medical profession, by, by really political actors at the state and federal level. And in Maine, I use Maine not because I happen to be here at the moment and come from this state, but because it was really emblematic they tried to pass a bill. The Democrats put a bill forward. It was supported at the national level and at the state level, which essentially would allow a child to be kidnapped in another state, brought to Maine, and, and could have their uh, you know, genitalia mutilated without parental consent and change from a, you know, supposedly change from a boy to a girl or the other way around. It is an abomination. It is an abomination culturally, morally, personally, from a Bill of Rights perspective, it is it is complete. It is really a complete abomination, and yet they defended it just the way they have defended, you know, killing a child, you know, a week before the child is to be born. So, but this is this is living children, and and so what happened was, 
conservatives spoke up thoughtfully about the fact that they don't want culture rot to become permanent. We're in a period of we're, we're in a trough right now when moral relativism seems to be, uh, you know, at the forefront. But I'd like to think that it's going to wane. And, and the two decisions that make me think that are that this was ultimately defeated in Maine. Uh, they said, no, you cannot bring children from another state and, you know, create transgender tourism, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, transitioning uh, uh, tourism to the state of Maine. No, we're not going to let that happen. It has too many illegalities and immoralities associated with it. And Democrats want, uh, uh, joined in defeating that bill. So I think that's a good sign. The other good sign that I'll just mention is we 10 years ago, John, we went through a period of time in the high schools and in the colleges in which people began to talk about the need for no objectivity or that subjectivity was okay. We didn't need, we didn't need really high quality skills in reading, writing, and arithmetic. No, all we needed was, you know, to feel what people felt and grant them their diplomas. Well, colleges, 80% of them accentuated by the COVID thing, uh, you know, the COVID uh, epidemic, pandemic, uh, 80% of these colleges decided they would drop the SAT as well. It turns out that Dartmouth um, actually did a deep dive on this and last week reversed that and said, you know what, objectivity does matter. Scores that you that, that record your their, your acumen or your potential in math and reading and writing actually do influence. They did a, a data point comparison, deep, deep dive, really worth looking at. And they had their own professors do the dive. And then they found something else. They found that minorities, or more importantly, low-income applicants, were actually disadvantaged by not including, by not mandating that the SAT be included, because many of them decided that their SATs weren't high enough, and so didn't include them. But the irony is that all of these schools, and Dartmouth leading the charge, actually look at that that SAT. They said that more low-income students would have been admitted if they had put their SATs down with objective data down with their subjective application and their recommendations. And why is that? It's because actually these schools and Dartmouth leads the charge again, looks at, they look at the context. Was it an accredited high school? Was it a, you know, what community, what, what kind of economic income did they have? What, et cetera. And so the, the interesting part is Dartmouth reversed the trend. The, the, the left is attacking them right and left, but they, they're saying, no, we're going to include an SAT requirement, an ACT or SAT requirement from here on. That could be two points. That could be the beginning of a huge change in America where people get back to objectivity. And point number two is very personal. I went to Dartmouth and my father never finished college. And my mother raised four children on a, uh, a $12,000 a year salary. And Dartmouth said, you know what? All things considered, we're going to take this guy. And so the American dream is made possible by a, an objective review of what people bring to the table and the potential they may have to contribute. And I think that the, the re-inclusion of SATs as a, as a requirement may catch fire. And if it does, it's a good sign for America. Wow. There's something I bet a lot of people didn't have on their radar, but it, it's actually 
a small story that has big implications for the country, right? It's a, it's a change that probably is symbolic or emblematic of what's about to, the issues that are facing our country in this election. Pretty impressive stuff. Bobby, we always appreciate your time, your wisdom, your analysis, your newsmaking, and of course, the great partnership we have with AMAC. Folks, if you want to be a part of AMAC like I am, match me on my five-year membership. This month, it's only going to cost $35. That's the best deal you're ever going to get. All you got to do is go to amac.us, amac.us/justnews, and you'll be able to take advantage of that incredible discount and become a member like me and Bobby and all of the great other patriots, the two million plus patriots that are part of the AMAC movement. Bobby, a great conversation. Can't wait to have you on next week. I appreciate it. And John, let me just say to people, as I said at the beginning of this, if this AMAC membership was worth anything a year ago, and it was worth tons a year ago, <laughs> it is worth three or four or five it's times true. now. And it's you know it's going to it's going to it's going to grow in value ahead. Not only because the economy is going to give you these economic benefits, but because really you get what's going to happen tomorrow in today's AMAC news, and and that is that is absolutely priceless from a personal, from a business, from a political perspective, and even from your personal security. So I encourage people, go to amac.us, as you say, sign up, and it, it costs very little, and you get a tremendous return. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I've experienced it myself personally and highly recommend it. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. A big thank you to our guest today, former Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf, the number two from the Border Patrol Agents Union, Art Del Cueto, and, of course, Bobby Charles on AMAC Wednesday. And if you want to take advantage of that AMAC discount and get a five-year membership for just 35 bucks, by its peanuts, then go to amac.us slash justnews. AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash justnews. You can become a five-year member like me. Join all the two million-plus patriots at AMAC and enjoy incredible benefits. All right, that wraps up today's edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Justin News. Thanks for joining us. God bless you. We'll be back tomorrow with more important news and interviews. Until then, have a great night. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS. They know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, 
educators, expert politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. 